This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is May the 22nd, 2020. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin offended by selling unconfiscatable. Oh, yeah. Don't you wish you had that Bitcoin from Pizza Day and you never uh, sold it? Okay, we're going to talk about that, dudes. Hello, my elite friends. We got Juan Galt in the house. He's uh, crossing the border into San Diego, apparently. Uh, I mean, literally, he's in a car in San Diego. Uh, Guy Swan is here, and uh, Gigi is also in the house. They're, they're all returning guests. Remember, if you got questions I got answers, you can type them into – you can type questions in there. I will try to answer – get there, them to answer your questions. Uh, they'll ask each other questions too. Well, it's going to be a big round table of fun. So there was lots of news. This is the This Week in Bitcoin show. So we got to go over what was in the news this week. And my, oh my, I mean, it was kind of like a flashback, but kind of not. It's like I've lived through, it's like Groundhog Day. Today's pizza day, but it was kind of like Groundhog Day. Uh, big, big news the other day that the Satoshi's coins, they said. All of a sudden they said some old coins moved. So it must have been Satoshi. All of a sudden, everybody's panicking. Everybody and their brother is scared. What, what's going on with this guy, Swan? What was your reaction? I, you know, I didn't actually get to see. the. the somebody posted a, a, a screenshot of the transaction. And if I'm not mistaken, it was just 150 Bitcoin block. Yes. Like it was just one Coinbase, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't like like a hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin moved, which I thought was kind of funny that everybody's freaking out just because it was an old block. Um, but everything I've seen is that uh, the uh, Satoshi had actually a particular way of um, putting the block height in his nonce. And so when he was mining blocks or whatever, you can actually go back and look at the strings of blocks that we assume are Satoshis and that this was actually just just one of the early miners. A bunch of people blamed it on uh, Marty Malmi, um, and uh, Marty actually responded on Twitter and was like, "Yeah, this this was not me." Uh, and we had actually this would already had already been released at this point, and I'm sure there were, you know, people were claiming it could only be three people: Satoshi, Marty, or Hal. Um, and he was like, "Nah, it was it was released. We had a bunch of people kind of coming in and out. Like it could have been any any of twenty or thirty people." Um, so. I, basically it doesn't seem to be that there's any real evidence that Satoshi aside from the fact that it's like three months in, like it was like, it was like in the first like three or four months of Bitcoin that the block was mined. Um, it was one 50 Bitcoin block that got moved uh, as far in, unless anybody has any information. Otherwise that's the only thing that I saw. So, so the pattern, I think they call that pattern, the Paytoshi pattern or something. And the Patoshi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it didn't match the pattern, yeah. uh, but it's, it's, it, it speaks loudly about uh, how the, the media works in this uh, little corner of the world. Uh, <laughs> it was all over Cointelegraph. I mean, it was the biggest story out there. Uh, just anything that has to do with Satoshi, it seems like it just – I mean, is this one big soap opera or what? Gigi, what, what do you think about all this? Yeah, well, I think people always go nuts if if um, <laughs> if this is a possibility, you know, even just in their minds. Uh, like, even if there's just some some, uh, I, I'm not not even 
wanting to say misinformation because uh, once the news hit, uh, a lot of people just didn't know and couldn't know better what was going on and people had to really look at the details of the transaction and if it could be true or not. But, you know, people li like a good story and uh, you know how the human brain works. You know, it's very, uh, you, you try to find a pattern in everything and you would like to believe the best version of the story that there could be. And you don't even have to be a conspiracy <coughs> theorist to to think that maybe Satoshi is still alive and maybe he made a mistake and moved some coins or something or whatever. And I, I yeah, people just eat it up. And uh, I just I just like to sit back and watch the drama because I think the the, the further you, you're down the rabbit hole, the less you care about things like these because even if hypo hypothetically it would be true, um, you know, maybe it would crash a bit, it would be more cheap Satoshis for us and, uh, you know, the daily stackers alone would eat this up in no time, <laughs> even <laughs> all of Satoshi's coins, you know? <laughs> so I think indeed. it wouldn't even be such a big deal if it would indeed be Satoshi, but um, except to know that he is still alive or someone who has the keys is still alive. But yeah. yes. That'd be pretty cool yeah. to be honest. Um, yeah. And I, I totally agree. I, I can't believe, uh, particularly like in our crew, like how much we kind of joke about it, but then everybody's like posting. like. I think it's become like this weird norm that like the hardcore Bitcoiners uh, now, like the true Bitcoiners FOMO when the price drops. Like yeah, I yeah. get so panicky <laughs> when the price drops, like, you know, with that 40 or your, was it 50 or 60% drop or something? Like I can't, I've never spent so much energy trying to figure out how to buy more Bitcoin when I was yeah. fiat broke, or at least I thought. Go I found sell a kidney, them. you know, <laughs> up to 3,000 again. Go sell How a quickly kidney. can this operation happen? <laughs> yeah, I only exactly. need one. I could buy it back later. You know, it's probably, it, it probably won't take long and maybe it's already yeah, happening. we had a great time doing that drop. Bit Bitcoiners are generating FOMO uh, um, <laughs> just <laughs> for the price to crash. All right, I, I want to hear, I want to hear from Juan Galt here. If you had, uh, if you noticed uh, this, uh, this story this week uh, about yeah. the uh, fake, uh, not not real. They weren't really his coins, but uh, some people said they were. I mean, and that, that's something else I want to point out. There. Yeah, of course. But I mean, the whale alert, the whale alert that told everyone. Usually, whale alert is like an automated thing. It was actually the guy who does the whale alert that like pinned it to his profile uh, and, and, and put it out there and. and said you know these could be satoshi coins so it seemed like he was going through for the drama also why what was your take yeah i mean it, it was all over twitter it's impossible not to see it um i mean again I'm, I'm with everybody else here i don't i think it's a it's a non-story but there's a couple of funny things about it one of them is uh there's a few people that i saw asking uh looking at the screenshots and being like what does coinbase have to do with it <laughs> right like no it's not it's not coinbase it's it's the Coinbase. It's 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 like a word that it was supposed to be it was a piece of the technology that then the exchange copied the word and now all these noobs are confused. They think Coinbase had coins in 2009. No, Coinbase did not exist in 2009. The exchange just copied a technical term like you would say announced, right? They could have called their exchange denounced, but no, they went with Coinbase. Thanks, Coinbase, for, confused, for confusing a bunch of people. So that's what, I thought that was kind of funny. And then the other thing was uh, there was an Adam Back tweet uh, where he was obviously saying that, you know, the, Satoshi probably wouldn't do this and everybody below it is like, yeah, you would say that, Satoshi, right? And then, and then uh, 
Calvin Ayer, who is basically the financial backer of, of fake Satoshi, of Craig Wright, is like, well, I think, uh, I mean, I talked to Satoshi myself personally, <laughs> Craig Wright, and uh, yeah, I, he says that, you know, it, it might have been him, but, uh, you know, it, it could have been some of the coins of the trial of the whole scam they were trying to run. And then Samsung Mao replies below, yeah, but, you know, in that trial, you had addresses from Roger Ver, from Bitstamp, from Coinbase, from, like, basically, like, you just threw all the public addresses you could at it. So anything moves and you can claim that it's Satoshi, right? So it's just it's just a big uh, circle jerk, a crypto Twitter circle jerk, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of us summing it all up, I think. Uh and you mentioned some uh, you mentioned some big jerkers in there too just now. We won't go over all of them. But hey, one one thing that I had forgotten about that came out this week, or maybe it was last week. Someone just sends me an, a, a DM, and a good person, and he says, "Is Adam back, Satoshi?" And I'm just like, "No, no." I, I mean, I think that's the correct answer because I get, people spend so much time worrying about who it is. And they come up with these yeah. almost conspiracy theories about it. Yeah. No, it's they need uh, to know, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they need to know, man. All right. Uh, so let's let's move on. People said or in the in the chat reminding us what today is. It's it's Pizza Day. A long time ago, someone the first transaction ever a Bitcoin was made. Someone bought Bitcoin. Someone bought pizza with a lot of Bitcoin. That's worth a lot of money now. Okay. <laughs> But th this is, for me, on this day, this is what I think about. I don't need to think about the pizza anymore. I don't eat pizza. I don't drink coffee either. But what I think about on today is that as late as 2016, people were buying, I mean, bragging about buying all sorts of things with their Bitcoin. Okay? And let's talk about the $100 coffees that people bought in 2016 because that's what it ended up being. I mean, people over $100 of Bitcoin they spent, what it's worth today uh they spent on coffee so uh i we were just uh, before we went on air the guys were talking about lightning network so i'm sure we'll, we'll get into that uh because they make really small transactions with that but what it, what's your take on pizza day today Juan god yeah well i mean i'm excited i think uh you know there's some there's it, it's a, it, it was a different time you know back then bitcoin didn't actually have any value so we were trying to give it value i mean i, I came in uh definitely a few years later than that but like people were trying to give it value and you know when i was saying we were, we were all trying to make it you know expendable right because that would potentially grow the pie right we're in a time now when you know that it doesn't really make sense to spend it and it's kind of a different culture and there's there's lots of cultural reasons why we wouldn't really do that or if it did it it wouldn't be really a big story but i mean it was a ton of bitcoin uh i'm excited we're gonna have a virtual reality pizza party today uh look up bitcoin vr on twitter uh stone stone crypt is uh, a guy leading it we're gonna have to do it just vr chat you know kind of like what yuri weimeyer is doing i can never pronounce his name with uh, reckless vr so you know we're gonna celebrate it i think it's a it's a happy moment in bitcoin history despite uh how tragically funny it is and uh you know if all of us i think there's a lot of us that would probably be rich if we hadn't spent any but maybe bitcoin wouldn't be worth as much if we hadn't spent it you know so i think we can be grateful for that all right good uh good approach there pound that like button everybody for one god all right Gigi, your thoughts on pizza day 
Yeah, well, I think it's a very interesting day if you're a Bitcoin historian, pretty much. Um, and like it, it was the first transac transaction for a real good, like a real physical thing. I think Bitcoin even had a price before that, like it was traded before that uh, in very, very tiny liquidity, of course. But um, yeah, as uh, John was saying, people were trying to figure out what a Bitcoin is worth and what you can do with it. And I think we're still in that phase, you know, like most people are still trying to figure out um, what a Bitcoin is worth. And of course, there's a group of Bitcoiners that will tell you it's worth so much to them that you just can't have any, like you can't have any of my Bitcoin. But the ironic thing is also that, you know, I still use Bitcoin daily pretty much. And I also spend it almost daily, especially with, <laughs> with Lightning, you know, like if, if something is like one cent, I'll just, yeah. Uh, just today I, I got uh, a guy's um, Bitcoin holiday calendar because I, I was trying to uh, do that for a very long time, you know, like it's one item, it's one item on my to-do list <laughs> that's just endless. And of course I will what? spend some, I will, I will spend some Bitcoin if it's the only thing that the seller will take. And there are more and more people that are like that, you know, like just last week I bought some stickers for, uh, with lightning, uh, and, and, um, yeah, sold my Bitcoin for that. I exchanged my Bitcoin for that. And, um, I know I will regret all this in the future, but I also don't care because it's, it's part of the progress and it's, it's actually, I think it's interesting that even Laszlo talks about it uh, and he talked about it a bunch and he doesn't really regret it. First of all, he was very, very early in the space. He was, uh, he obviously still has Bitcoin. He was one of the first uh, GPU miners as far as I know. And so um, I don't think he cares about the 10,000 uh, Bitcoin or, or how, however much it was <laughs> that much. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he still, he still is around and he, I'm pretty sure he still has some Bitcoin. And I hope that we will all think about the bitcoins we spent in the same way, you know, like ah, a couple million satoshis. Who cares? I spent it back in the day. <laughs> Gigi is serious, man. He before the show, him and Guy Swan, as he said, they were making lightning transactions as we were waiting for Juan. So these guys are hardcore. Okay, then we'll, let's <laughs> let's hear from uh, Guy Swan about uh, this. Yeah, that was actually kind of funny. It's like right before we got on here, he bought my calendar, and then I I paid for one of his uh, the, the three cent for uh, was on Bitcoin Dash quotes. <laughs> I just went from Bitcoin Tina and it took me to uh, the tweet from early last year. Um, but uh, that, that's always when when fees get high, I just love I love the uh, just going over and sending a bunch of lightning payments for just no reason whatsoever. Just be like, <laughs> what fees, man? What are you talking about? I'm a lightning baby. So um, do you, are you are you happy about a pizza day? Do you have thoughts on it? Uh, yeah. Um, see, pizza day is actually one of my favorite holidays um uh, Gigi said and there was there has been like um speculation and there was actually one other that I found like kind of in my Bitcoin holiday uh my calendar research um when I went through is I actually found even though Laszlo's is so famous as being the literal first public transaction that assigned a value like a price to Bitcoin um there is actually one that happened on the forums like two weeks earlier um and but it was just it didn't catch the attention and it was just kind of obscure on the forums uh and it was somebody paid um i'm not gonna remember the specifics but it was literally somebody paid like a couple of dollars for some specific amount of bitcoin some obviously ridiculously high amount of bitcoin um but it really is though like like i think those are the most some of the most important transactions that ever happened in Bitcoin because it was the first time someone attempted 
it, it's it was the beginning of price discovery. It was the very beginning of finding out that okay, this system worked. Okay, we actually had a scarce system. Like we have a scarce thing that you can buy. What is that worth? And it was still this huge experiment at the time. You know, like nobody really knew. It was, but it's like that was proof. That was skin in the game of let's this thing does work. This thing is working. And like, particularly if I was Laszlo, um, and I know he feels this way because like there's been so many interviews and stuff with him on this, is it like I would never regret being that transaction, you know? Like I was the first one that found value and used Bitcoin for a for a money. Like that's the first, you know, real public example of that. And that's amazing to to be that early and that that important of a first like bootstrapping step. Like just like Satoshi said, is like, you know, even if just for collectibles, it doesn't really matter why bitcoins adopt a value actually become valuable it's just that after it does attain value for whatever reason that then it can work then it can move money then you can move money to anywhere anybody in the world without third parties um and they did that that was that was the reason pizza pizza was the reason <laughs> now i've got i got a question for you something that you you briefly mentioned and that uh Gigi mentioned tell us about this calendar of yours Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, some some time ago, and I've got a couple of little minor corrections actually to make to it. Um, one to add in the fact that there was a transaction uh, shortly before Laszlo's that was public, um, but uh, I, I basically just went through um, Bitcoin history trying to find all the all the major holidays, um, and they're all just posted like publicly. Like you don't have to pay for the calendar. The calendar is just a shortcut, so you don't have to copy and paste all that crap. Because um, it took a long time to actually write it all up, uh, but it's on thecryptoeconomy.com. And if you want to see, like, like tomorrow is actually uh, New York Disagreement Day, um, <laughs> the, the day that everybody that the, the New York Agreement was signed, and all the users were like, "Absolutely not! What the hell!" Like there was outrage about, you know, a bunch of companies saying we're going to change Bitcoin and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and I find that another another great holiday, particularly for something that I thought was crazy eventful at the time. But yeah, it's just a collection of all the major events and uh, moments in Bitcoin's history. That's a good idea. Good. You're in motion, baby. That making stuff like that up. That's that's a good a good, a good product right there. All right. So let's uh we'll talk about Lightning Network in a second. Uh your 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 Lightning Network news and we'll talk about uh Gigi's uh latest article too, people. So pound that like button. But I'll start out. Uh, well, the block. We got to talk about what happened with BlockFi. <laughs> BlockFi, uh, they got hacked, but it was the information got stolen from them. Uh, I don't know did, who here is familiar with that on the panel. Wants to speak about that, if anyone. I mean, yeah, I, I heard I'm about it. With it a little bit. <laughs> Everyone, it seems. Juan Galt, you, you spoke up there. Yeah, I'll give you my thoughts on this, and I think I'll have to jet right after that, so I'll give you a special rant for this one. I mean, I haven't really looked at the particulars of the case or the, of the hack, but what I heard is obviously some KYC documents got hacked, yep. some, uh, some person working for BlockFi uh, got their SIM card 
uh, hijacked probably, and then they, the, this hacker gained, gained access to the system, and then they got a bunch of QAC, a bunch of like selfies of people, you know, like uh, probably all of us have done at some point, you know, just with the ID card, like a total pleb, right? Getting, trying to get our, our Bitcoin stack some stats. And uh, yeah, that got hacked, right? And, 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 and it really shows how, how dangerous this KYC um, standard is in the digital age. You know, the KYC standard was developed in the banking industry when there was no internet. There was barely telephone, right? Like we were doing, pay, everything was stacked in papers. You couldn't really hack a bank's KYC. You have to break into the bank and log, you know, boxes of paper to, to do anything useful, right? But we're still using uh, ancient security authentication uh, protocols in the digital age. So it's, it's, it's completely ridiculous. It's terribly unsafe. And uh, it leads to identity theft, which is way more, more devastating than somebody hacking your Bitcoin, somebody stealing your identity. They can open loans on your behalf. They can take credit. They can take mortgages. They can ruin your life. And uh, this is the main reason that, that we need to be concerned with sort of um, non-biometric authentication to our services and, 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 and the sort of financial services out there. But also there's a really funny sort of flip side to this, and it's that if you get, if you get your KYC sort of hacked like this, and, and then you, you have a kind of plausible deniability, you know? If, 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 if there's a loan you don't want to pay, you know? How do they know that it wasn't somebody that hacked your identity and, 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 and uh, you know, and, and opened it on your behalf fraudulently? So um, I think this is, this is the kind of hacks that are going to collapse the current bank banking system, and uh, there's, I guess, a silver lining there, but uh, we'll have to build it back up. So, hopefully, we'll get some nice buildings and some cushy, cushy couches. All right, uh, Juan. So, I guess you you, you got a jet, or uh... yeah, I got a jet. But thank you for having me on, everybody. Enjoy uh, the pizza day, and uh, it's a pleasure being with you. All right, thanks Good. for uh, coming in Later, here man. today, Juan. All right, well, he he brings up a really good point about. Uh, KYC being a scourge. Uh, what's your take on that, uh, Gigi? Yeah, well, I think the most problematic thing about this leak is that the actual addresses, like the postal addresses of people were, were leaked as well. Like that's quite a security risk. Um, if someone wants to come knocking at your door and get your Bitcoin, they, they now can. And um, I think in general, KYC is just a terrible idea. And Bitcoin doesn't need any of it. It's it's very unnatural for Bitcoin to have KYC. And I think we will continue to see these leaks. And I think we will also continue to see these friction points on, on and off ramps. And uh, that's also why I think that uh, everything kind of has to and will develop in parallel. And we can't get to a circular Bitcoin economy fast enough. Because once you are in the Bitcoin economy, all of that KYC bullshit um, sorry about that family-friendly show. <laughs> All of that KYC nonsense um, ceases to matter because um, Bitcoin doesn't care who you are and where you live and what your postal address is. Um, you just send transactions. And I really like the take of Budion on, in, in that whole regard because Bitcoin really is just text and you're just sending messages and it's just a protocol, like it's just a, a messaging protocol. And you don't need to do... Um, KYC to use uh, to use like a messenger, you know, like and and I think Bitcoin should be treated in the same way. And the, and, and the fact that it isn't is kind of hypocritical. Like um, on the one hand, people are saying that Bitcoin isn't really money. Uh, on the on the other hand, they treat it 
uh, in a very special fashion because um, it, yeah, they can't wrap your head, wrap their head around the fact that you're just interacting with a messaging protocol. So that's my take on it. Um, if if you can avoid KYC, you should. Like there are decentralized exchanges and there are peer-to-peer ways to acquire Bitcoin. And if you have to use KYC, I would recommend to take your privacy in your own hands and use tools like Samurai to mix your coins. So um, I think that's just common sense. Yeah, man, I, I am no fan of the KYC uh, and all these people, all these traders signing up for so many different exchanges, sending their passport and driver's license all over the freaking world. Dude, it's not going to end too well. Uh, but hey, uh, what do you have to say, Guy? Uh, it was perfectly predictable. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, it, it's inevitab- inevitability. It's a question of when that information gets hacked, not if, in my opinion. Um, and it just shows, it just shows, like, you know, both of them said that how unbelievably dangerous KYC AML policies actually are. Um, for the consumer, uh, like like the illusion, at least I hope that the illusion that it's a form of consumer protection is falling away um, because at least for everybody in Bitcoin, I don't think there's anybody who is so naive still. I, mean, I'm, I could be completely wrong about this, but I would be uh, upset to find that people are so naive as to think that this is somehow protecting them from something when obviously it's a means of controlling the user, not protecting them. Um, and it doesn't make sense that this is still the way we do business. Like it is, it is the worst possible OPSEC for everyone on the internet. It, it's forcing insecurity. It's forcing weaknesses and vulnerabilities into a system that does not need to be that way. Um, and uh, uh, I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised that's if why uh, I'm excited uh, about all these, oh sorry um I just I'm excited about all these like lightning derived and like like key side derived uh authentication stuff because the, the only thing that we can do and you know maybe it's decentralized platforms like you said other exchanges like bisc and like sort of things like that um that that move the needle potentially but something's got to change like this can't go on forever like the the fallout's going to get worse and worse and worse well i i would hope bitcoiners don't think that kyc is uh there to protect them but there are a lot of different types of bitcoiners out there there's some that think the government is here to uh protect them from a virus so i wouldn't be surprised if some still think kyc is there to protect them now you mentioned you mentioned lightning network so i want to hear your uh your, your Lightning Network thoughts. We were talking about it on air some. So so give the people what they want to hear. They want to hear some innovative uh, Lightning Network uh, stuff that's out there. All right. So uh, I've been playing with every, – every time fees get high, I start playing with Lightning again, um, just be, partly just for fun, just to uh, kind of self-brag. Um, but uh, uh, there's been a lot of interesting developments lately that I've been trying to take advantage of. And one that I haven't really gotten to play with yet is multi-loop. Um, but probably in the last three weeks, I guess there's been like five or six really, really big updates. So multi-path payments have come to lightning and I'll give you a little brief, uh, lesson here for anybody who really doesn't have a visual grasp of what lightning is. Um, so rather than sending a normal transaction where I would send a Bitcoin to Adam here, um, 
what I do is I open up a one Bitcoin channel with Adam. And what that means is like, um, think about it like when you're, you, you know, you like have a little foosball game and you have little points over on the side and you can slide them to your side or the other side. Um, that's, that's basically like a channel. And that's what we do is we make payments back and forth and we slide Bitcoin um, from his ownership to my ownership. But because he has other connections in it, we can do this in, in like through like a, a, you know, the phone game, like we can do it through a chain. But the key part is that we have these channels. I want to open up multiple ones into the network. But that means that I have individual channels that I'm limited for spending. And a multi-path payment is something that has been in the works for a long time where you can use all of your different channels at once as if it's a single balance, which is critical. You don't want, you know, it's weird to, like if you have money on Lightning or money on Bitcoin, like it needs to be one balance. You know, you don't want to be like, oh, you have $500 on Lightning, but you can send up to a $100 payment. It's like, why? That doesn't make, that, that feels odd. Um, and that has finally released very recently and multi-loop is the ability to um uh basically refill or empty all of your channels at once at one time again it's the move from lightning being this kind of weird user experience that you know you have to know what you're doing you have to know what you're looking at to you have one balance and you can send payments and the client on the back end is doing all of the confusing. It's obscuring away uh, or hiding away all of the complexity uh, in the background. And I think that's a huge development because um, it just makes it so much more um, uh, capable, I guess you could say. The, the ability of better functionality and a better user experience is, is a major, major step in my opinion. Um, uh, and then at the same time, uh, we're seeing the security of it mature. Um, and they just raised the default limit for the client for how big a channel can be, you know, so every channel comes with a certain amount of risk, you know, you got to have good backups, you, you have to be able to watch the network. So they, they kept it really small to begin with. So you couldn't move a lot of capital. And I think that's why exchanges and other services haven't really adopted it a lot because there's, un, there's really small limits. There's basically the protocol itself is saying, be careful, you know, this is getting risky. And the fact that they just upgraded that, that they just said, okay, now we can put, you know, $500 or $1,000 as default in the channel. It's saying that this is getting more secure, that this is maturing. We're, it's, it's no longer as reckless as it has been to participate in this thing. And that's a really exciting thing to see the, the people, the developers or whatever, who are all about adversarial thinking and spend their days and nights trying to figure out how to break this thing. Uh, and then refix it, that they are growing in confidence. That's cool. I think, I think this is another uh, major step. Um, but then there's, then there's like LSAT, there's uh, update to the RTL um, uh, interface. There's Sphinx um, uh, chat that I've been playing with, which is awesome. It's you're using lightning to uh, send encrypted messages back and forth. Um, I've been playing that with uh, Paul. Um, and been trying to get, I'm trying to sneak invites for people since it's still beta. Um, but I love this little thing. It's awesome. Um, uh, well, what exactly is the LSAT? LSAT? LSAT is uh, um, the, you know how uh, the internet, HTTP um, protocol had a 402 payment not found? This old error code that never found the use? 
Um, I've been sitting there for you know 25 odd years, whatever it is. Uh, well, it finally has a use. Um, uh, LSAT is a, a web-based um, lightning authentication. It, 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 it combines like your normal like uh, macaroon, your a, a, a proof of payment on lightning, and then uh, what's the other one? I guess it would be like the URL or something like that. I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly the, the, the technical back end. Um, but uh, essentially, it's a way to it, it's like a it, it's a proof of payment that allows you to authenticate who you are and what you have access to without usernames and passwords, um, without having to sign up for some subscription. It's sort of like paywall, except that instead of just paying for access to the link, you're paying for uh, for activation of a token that, and not like not like a you know altcoin token, not like a garbage <laughs> thing like that, but like an authentication token, like you know everything that you do online when you're logging in, um, and uh, and that gives you access to the thing. So so it, it would be your lightning public key and your token that is actually uh, allowing you to move around and do things, have access to certain things behind paywalls. So that if you move browsers and you're not logged in anymore, you don't suddenly lose access to your article. It's based on the fact that you've, you've paid for a token sort of thing. Um, but it's, it's hard to explain without a bunch of examples of the value of this, but essentially it's a native integration of lightning payments and, your public key as an identity into the web. Um, and it just cuts so much of the unnecessary steps out of the entire process and really cleans it up and helps solve this whole KYC AML problem uh, by not having that, your identity isn't attached to it. It is your, your authentication and your proof of payment that is your your authentication on the web not who you are not your username not your personal information um so it's a it's a bunch of it's a subtle thing but i think it's a another really really big improvement beautiful Gigi, any any thoughts on all this lightning stuff you, you were playing around with it uh before the show started <laughs> yeah yeah a couple like um uh, to piggyback on on LSAT also um there are a bun bunch of narratives from the early days. Uh, Andreas Antonopoulos popularized some of them, like uh, streaming money and paid APIs. And LSAT is one step in that direction. Like you can actually think about doing stuff like that with such a mechanism. And as Guy said, you can use it basically for two things. for One for authentication, but also for actually paying for services on an internet level, like really integrated in, uh, uh, as, as a, at the protocol level. And you can think of it as a as a reverse proxy for the HTTP 402 error. Like you can put services <laughs> behind it that um, that you actually have to pay to access, and there's no other way around it. So I think it's really really interesting from a technical perspective. And one thing I wanted to point out because it's Pizza Day and we're talking about Lightning. Um, I know this because of Guy's calendar, of course. So uh, another shout out to that. <laughs> but there is also the Lightning Pizza Day because Laszlo, who we mentioned before, who bought the actual pizzas, he was the one who again bought two pizzas on the on the Lightning network, and uh, it was one of the earliest real world transactions using Lightning as well. So 
again, as I said, he's he's still sticking around and doing awesome stuff. And that's on uh, that was on February the eighteenth. So <laughs> it was on February. I was I was just looking it up. I was like, when was Lightning Peak today? February eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. That was. So, that guy was a pioneer in spending, definitely, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, of course. He probably still is. So we, we have two P days. So two two days to sin, you know? <laughs> All right, good. That's a good way of looking at it. Okay, so I want to give you the floor here, Gigi, to tell us about your uh, latest article and to talk about the book too, but to tell us about the article. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the book is kind of old news for me because I, I wrote it like over a year ago now. And uh, the, it's it's recent news because Guy actually uh, was able to put it on Audible. So it's now a very, very official uh, audiobook as well. And everyone can get it there. Everyone can still get it for free uh, as well. But <laughs> if you're so inclined, you can uh, pay for it and get rid of the dirty fiat with Audible. And um <laughs> Yeah, I, I wrote a bunch of things uh, after 21 lessons and uh, I'm, I'm still writing, like I'm still writing every day. And if, if it's good enough to be put into an article, I, I, I will try to continue to do that. And I was, I was writing actually a series of articles, which I called, um, yeah, letters letters for the next era, like for the next epoch. And I was writing for three audiences, once for the legacy people, which like traditional bankers and people that are just not born on the internet and just will never get this probably, you know, the people that have to die off <laughs> for hyper-Bitcoinization to happen. And I was writing one for uh, Bitcoiners, which is called Dear Bitcoiners, which was a, a very optimistic letter to a bunch of known and unknown friends around the globe. And uh, the last one was Dear Friends and Family. And I, I wrote this one because I... I still have kind of a, a double life that I'm living, you know, like I have my Bitcoin life and my regular life and uh, they're in the process of merging, but it's it's also kind of really hard because uh, I'm an M and I, I don't use my real name. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's also hard because um, I'm still having a very hard time convincing my friends and family that Bitcoin is an actual real thing, you know, like uh, I'm from a first world country, we have a working banking system, um, it's still funny internet money to, to most of them and nobody really takes it seriously and I was just putting my thoughts into this letter what I actually want to tell everyone, you know, like it's an accumulation game and we are all running out of time, so if you're near and dear to me please just start stacking some sets. Like, please just believe me and just do it. <laughs> and I don't have the time to explain it to you, you know, like as also as Satoshi uh, famously said, like, if you don't believe it or don't get it, I don't have the time to explain it to you. So I wrote this letter and uh, my plan is that now whenever someone asks me if now is a good time to buy or what about Bitcoin or what about this shitcoin, I will just send them this letter. And it's a distillation of what I've learned as well. I try to keep it short. I mention where I think things are going. I mention the most common um, pitfalls, like people think that Bitcoin is too expensive because you have to buy a whole coin, of course. <laughs> Bitcoin is all technology and Bitcoin is too complicated and it's risky and speculative and all, all, all that. And that Bitcoin will be replaced, like it's, you know, the Model T or MySpace or whatever. So everything that a, a complete newbie that is misguided might think should be in there. And I link to some other things as well. And it's basically just my way of saying, please, 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 do it for yourself. Just start stacking sets and you, you might be saved in the future. <laughs> All right. So it is linked to below. Dear family, dear friends. People have been retweeting it, talking about it. So there you got the author describing it. So thank you, 
for that. And keep on writing, keep on, uh, keep on doing your thing, being in motion over there. Yeah, so think- let's let's talk about uh, what was alluded to beforehand. Uh, the mempool, it's filled, it's crowded over there. The fees are getting higher. Uh, Guy, your take on it? Uh, I'm I'm excited. Uh, this is I've always you know Bitcoin is an adversarial system, right? Right? It's 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 about overcoming anything that could kill it. It's about uh, sustainability. It's about knowing that it will survive for the long term. So when Bitcoin gets stress tested, those those I think it's it's anti fragile. Like without pressures, it does not properly improve. It does not grow. Um, you know the the worst thing for Bitcoin is that everything goes easily and happily for another decade, and it has no stresses, and then suddenly something happens. That would be the worst case scenario. And I think that um, with right now, particularly with the development and the improvements on uh, Lightning uh, and the further, I think, building out of that infrastructure, we have been in the honeymoon phase for too long. Like there is a third era of Bitcoin that has to happen. We have to move this over to fees. There needs to be a point where the mempool is literally always full, that we are like persistently 10 blocks behind whatever it is um because otherwise there is no security market for bitcoin when the subsidy ends and because of that um and particularly since like with fees the dynamics of lightning opening and closing channels shift um and one thing that makes me really happy even though it kind of in some ways, like I kind of feel bad about it because I'm like, oh, good, more work for the developers, more complication. <laughs> like, like I, I kind of feel like I, I don't want to push that on anybody. But at the same time, all of those conversations have shifted to, okay, so what were our uh, caveats? What were our fallbacks when fees were high? How do we secure this HTLC when fees are more than the payment? Like, like all sorts of things like that. Um, and it's necessary that we address that. Um, plus, we already we're in a, a place where there's only like uh, it, we've kind of plateaued at 60 percent adoption of SegWit addresses. Um, there's still a lot of the network that uses legacy, which is much less efficient. Like if we all updated to SegWit, we could you know move our 1.2 megabyte, 1.3 megabyte, 1.5 uh, uh, meter uh, up to you know 1.8 megabytes, two megabyte um uh, blocks and this is exactly the sort of thing that finally makes pressure for the companies or the services or the users of the wallets that did not upgrade when they're paying a three dollar fee when they could have paid a 92 cent fee it's you know it makes sense to finally push the uh, finally pull the lever on making that shift so again that's pressure for this and it has to sustain for you know, weeks on end for people to realize that, okay, it's time to do something about it. Um, so I, I really just see this as a, a necessary pressure and something that will just continue to push this thing to get better and uh, figure out what this market is going to look like in the third era, way ahead of actually solving all the problems before, you know, time runs out, <laughs> essentially bite the bullet, fix it now, figure out how it works and make it robust and sustainable for uh, a century to come. All right. That's a really great point on the people that haven't gone SegWit yet. 
if their their fees are getting higher than that, this will put some pressure on those dudes to, to jump on the uh, the Segwit train. You, you said some uh, controversial things there. It's great. I, I that was a good uh, that was a good rant. Gigi, your thoughts uh, on the high fees and crowded mempool? Yeah, well, you know, um, fees are always in a quantum superposition. Like they're <laughs> always too high and too low at the same time, and people will moan about them in any case, like if the fees are too low, you will have a whole bunch of people telling you that Bitcoin will never transition to a fee-based security and it will die because miners will stop mining because the reward is too low and so on. And if they are too high, then people are complaining that they can't buy coffee on the Bitcoin base layer. <laughs> and so you can, you can never, <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, you, you can ne never make it right with Bitcoin fees. Um, it, it will always be like this, I imagine. And uh, I just want to remind everyone that we have another technology that never scaled, and that is the internet. You know, now now we have 4K streaming video, and you have people complaining sitting in airplanes, and their airplane Wi-Fi can't stream 4K YouTube videos, and uh, the, the internet is just bad. You know, it, it, it was always bad, and it will always, <laughs> yeah, it will always be bad. <laughs> and I think Bitcoin on the base layer will be exactly the same way. It 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 will it will never scale, and if it actually works and con con will continue to work and gain traction and adoption, then it will always have scaling problems. And uh, yeah, as Guy said as well, the blocks will always be full because also they will have to be full. And um, we will solve scaling on, on higher on, on higher layers, I'm I'm sure about that, and it's it's a good problem to have, in my opinion. Like I'm I'm excited as well. It means that um, people are transacting. It means that yeah. you know Bitcoin is entering a, a, a larger audience again, and it's yeah again this is good for Bitcoin as it's as all things are. Yeah, a good quote unquote problem to have, and people are actually using it. That's and sending it around. That's that that's very good. Okay, I want to uh, thank Colonel. Swan Jr. sent me $5 in Bitcoin before the show, and he wanted to say happy Bitcoin Pizza Day. Well, happy Bitcoin Pizza Day indeed. Thank you uh, for the, the sending the Bitcoin and supporting the show. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, some other news. I think it was from the beginning of the week, uh, but the 365-day moving average uh, for Bitcoin reached an all-time high. Now, I don't, I'm not a fiat freak out there. But I thought it was uh, it was notable that it hit $9,531. And for any year period of time, you can circle. That's the uh, highest average, uh, daily average ever. So, I mean, uh, things are – we've had some peaks and troughs. And now we're, we're steadily – we're steady going up. And the average of the last year is uh, 9,531. And it's never been that despite that it was – you know, over $19,000 for a day or something. Uh, the, That's cool. The, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That this is this is the high. So uh, <laughs> you learn something new on this show every day, people. You got, all right. Best guest in the space here. All these dudes. What, what did you? So what's your initial reaction to that then, I guys want? Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, I mean, it goes to show that, you know, like if you stop looking at the day-to-day -day. Yeah. if you stop looking at these little short-term meaningless charts um then and you know trying to assign every damn five percent move to all oh, this look what happened in this block oh did you hear that china farted like <laughs> like you know whatever the heck it is like we're constantly trying to 
overanalyze the noise you know uh, like it's trying to it's, tr it's like trying to point at like these giant weather patterns when like one breeze comes across your yard it's like oh it was look at this cloud over here like it's just nonsense but if you take a step back and you stop looking at all the wicks and all the one big fat candles and you say what has this thing been doing we're growing bear market supposed bear market aside we've just reached an all-time high on the 365 day moving average that means we have sustainable long-term growth which has been the argument since the beginning that that's what this is designed for ignore the day-to-day -day and you, you see you, that yeah i mean that was what you just said the get rid of the noise people long-term thinking that's what he said and that's what this is all about that don't get obsessed every day with the what did satoshi do and uh, <laughs> it, just take a few steps back yeah. and when you take a few steps back you see this that's one of the statistics you see that it's a all-time high in terms of the moving average so sorry to interrupt you there i thought you were oh uh, no uh, no just just this this best case ever or, or best uh example ever for the case of you know auto dca uh swan bitcoin like you're buying every week every month uh cash app does it now bull bitcoin in canada amber app in australia like like just, just auto buy over time slowly and stack sets this is a long-term game like and that's a that's a great example of why <laughs> dude man you're you're dropping some good names they've all been on the show the amber app of course and uh swan dudes all sorts uh gg and your, your thought any thoughts on the uh moving average yeah um first of all it was news to me as well like um i um i don't see charts um on on my feeds because uh, i'm not interested in trading <clears throat> and i stopped looking at price in general like two years ago so the only moving average i care about is the amount of sets moving in average to me <laughs> and <laughs> And, and but I, I <laughs> exactly and I in in general I I agree uh, with everything that guy said and uh, what he said previously about the the phases that Bitcoin is in um, and that we will have a next one I really like the view also of the new stock to flow model that Plan B um, uh, put out the stock to flow cross asset model and I I, I really like the way of thinking that. Bitcoin went through a couple of phase transitions already, and we're now entering what he calls phase five. And I think this is just another indicator that it's probably about to happen because it happened before that uh, Bitcoin will just settle on one price point, which is like 10x higher at least than the previous one. And then it will go sideways for a while. And, uh, you know, we people are now freaking out because it dropped to like... 9k or something you know which is insane <laughs> the, the price point at this level i think it was like 7800 or so in, in this phase and what that tells me is that probably you know uh, as as before and as we like to say in the space it will uh, happen gradually and then suddenly i think bitcoin will kind of steadily keep climbing and once once it really hits maybe new all-time highs or is at a certain point where people are uh, paying attention again and who knows who's paying attention this time you know like last last hype cycle it was regular people fomoing in and now we have some in, in investment guys you know like we have the book why buy bitcoin which uh, is really written for an investment type audience and for professional investors with uh, professional investment portfolios that uh, take a very good and close look 
at Bitcoin. And we also just have the fact that, you know, as many people like to say, it's the best performing asset of the last decade. And if you're a professional investor and uh, your job is to make your clients money, then the time to ignore Bitcoin is is past. And I think um, the moving average and the fact that it's as high as it ever was, it's just an indicator that we're about to hit the next phase. And that's, that's of course, exciting. But uh, I couldn't care less about the actual dollar price. Like, I, uh-huh. I, I, care, <laughs> I care way, way more about, you know, the fact that blocks are coming in. That's all that counts. Yeah, like we said just before getting onto this is that the, the, the price going down is what makes us panic buy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One Bitcoin. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. That's his freaking price right there. I'll tell you. Well, uh, uh, we we I didn't get your take on. Uh, we're talking about different phases of Bitcoin. Uh, we we just had the having. We'll have the twenty twenty four having pretty soon. I think. Uh, <laughs> what do you guys have any post having uh, wrap up thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I can I can jump in there. Like, um, I think the halving was awesome this time. Like. It really felt like New Year's Eve. And the <laughs> great thing about it is that it, it even improves on New Year's Eve because it's happening at the same time for everyone. Like we have no time zones in Bitcoin. So oh, that's a great uh, point. I never thought was, about that. It, it was a really awesome upgraded New Year's Eve. And I, I love how everyone was, you know, like running around in VR and uh, on live streams and like, yeah, happy halving to you. Yeah, happy halving. And everyone was waiting for the last blocks to come in. And it was really cool. And it's also kind of unpredictable, you know, because of the probabilistic nature. You you, you, you can't really do a countdown or anything. It just happens. And then you're in, in this next epoch. And I also loved how people were like listing their accomplishments of the last epoch and what they did and what happened in their lives and laid out a plan for the next epoch. Like, I want to achieve this and that. And, that. and I I, I really love it how, how this is shaping up because four years ago it was kind of a non-event. You know, there were some smaller parties and uh, some very, you know, like some news articles and stuff like that. And now it felt like it was a worldwide event, even in the news, you know, like discussed on CNBC and people were talking about the halving and how it is the opposite of quantitative easing and Bitcoin is doing its quantitative hardening. And I really like it. Like it's, it's, it's so great to see. And also I just want to remind everyone what we're doing here is serious business like all the meme craft and everything we took we do on twitter it will end up on cnbc <laughs> like two weeks down the road so choose your memes wisely <laughs> measure your time in havings pound that like button all right guy what's what, what are your thoughts no beautiful everything that gg just said um like i uh, uh it's it's so cool to me well, just just one to have so many people now to share my enthusiasm with on this. Um, but I never even thought about the fact that it, it's it's something that's uh, that uh, you know New Year's is because uh, that, that was that was immediately you know the liking to it. It's like oh my god, everybody get ready for the count the block countdown. You know, um, everybody got on a live stream and we all had shots ready to to take when the block came in and. Uh, also, like amazingly, we had like a bunch of people in the group watching their own node as opposed to, you know, watching some block explorer, uh, you know, Bitcoin magazines broadcast with the with the blocks up there. Um, and uh, 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 but it was it's just really cool to see it become like this cultural thing. And that's one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin is that it is it is a culture like like things gravitate around it you know um and it's so cool to see this evolve from 
you know, the couple of people in the last having who are like, oh, it's cool. And, you know, I kind of did my own thing at home and I posted a tweet about it, you know, and now it's like these huge VR parties. Everybody, we had like 40 people in Zoom, uh, all uh, just from the the crew and like the Raleigh Bitcoin meetup all in watching the having. Um, and how epic is the next one going to be like? Like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pump up our game, man. And and the the number of participants and the number the scope of the market and the network is gonna be if it's not orders of magnitude, then I, I find that I find that a silly thing. <laughs> like the real the be. real flippening, you know, the real yeah. flippening will be when the Bitcoin halving is a bigger event than New Year's Eve. I'm gonna tell you that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I, I gotta say I like how you pointed out that I, I never really thought about that uh that it's the same uh, time zone everywhere. I mean, it, it, it New Year's Eve, there's 24 different or whatever, it, uh, different New Year's Eves. And having is everyone celebrating it at the same time as opposed to, you know, in Los Angeles, they celebrate New Year's Eve at one time, New York at the other time. But all right, let's, let's get to our wrap-up part. This is the end of the show. Uh, you guys can talk about things that were left off, anything you want to promote. Uh, we'll start with uh, Guy Swan. Um, yeah, so the show is no longer the crypto economy. I'm still keeping, I'm going to make it part of the crypto economy network because we've got a lot of things coming and we're pulling in the Raleigh Bitcoin show um, uh, and trying to make a joint feed. And there's a whole lot of other stuff I want to do um, to expand this thing and uh, add new educational materials, new shows, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of stuff happening there, but the show has officially moved to Bitcoin Audible, um, which I love. And I've been kind of so many people have like referred to it as the Audible of Bitcoin. And I've been doing that myself for months and months and months. It's time. It, it's always been a Bitcoin centered show. And I'm, I'm really happy to have finally made that next step and putting the library together online to to really make these. for Well, you know, dear friend, dear family, dear friends, Gigi's recent article read it on the show we got it available in audio so if you wanted to listen um uh you can go to the bitcoin audible podcast and scroll down i don't know which i don't know which number it is i do them daily so um but yeah you know sp speaking about podcast uh do you think it's uh i think it's a real positive uh, development that uh joe rogan has gone uh to uh spotify i think uh, do you think it'll boost uh the interest in a uh, bitcoin podcast get some people drop in the youtube habit and maybe into uh, into the podcast land i think it's more of a i think it's more of a, a responsive thing like, like it's it, it's it's sort of a proof of concept of or a proof of the value and growth of podcasting um that that, that Spotify, that there are huge investors and huge companies and very serious actors realizing what the potential here is and that we want to, we want to buy land while it's cheap. Similar buying Bitcoin now is that like, holy crap, like I, I need to be prepared for a couple of years down the road when this is really a game changer. And I think that's just kind of a, a further declaration of the value of this thing. And it's the biggest show in, you know, in podcasting like joe rogan has the show um so I, I don't see how it's a bad thing like i don't you know i listen to i have spotify for music and stuff and i usually only listen to joe rogan uh, on like specifically the episodes that i'm interested in you know like i've listened to one at every eight or something like that um well yeah i'm i'm happy for him i hope they paid him a crap ton of money for it and <laughs> 
yeah, they uh, did. It was a hundred million dollars, I believe, isn't it? Is that it's right? Secret. I thought I thought that was just like speculation. But if oh, that's well, okay, maybe it's a lot. Whatever it is, <laughs> I'm sure a it's a yeah, monumental yeah, yeah. amount but, of money. Okay, but yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, and nah. more power to him. I'm glad. All right, podcast. We're talking. You never know what you're going to get on this show. All right, we'll end it with Gigi. What are your uh, final thoughts? Anything we left out? Anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I have some final thoughts actually on the Joe Rogan moving to Spotify thing. Um, I'm not sure if it's good or bad because one of the great things about podcasts is that you that they are actually decentralized. Like, um, it's great that you have an RSS feed for every podcast, pretty much, and you can listen to it on whatever device using whatever software you would like. It's an open system, and Spotify just isn't. So, um, <laughs> I will probably boycott. Uh, Joe Rogan um, and if I listen to it it will be on a pirated RSS feed so I think every move uh, to a closed system is kind of a bad one but of course good for him um, he obviously made a lot of money <laughs> with this decision but we will see we will see how all of this plays out um, uh, it's 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 good in that sense that maybe YouTube rethinks yeah. some things and some other platforms rethink some things uh, because obviously some parts of the internet are kind of broken and uh, it would be just in the interest of humanity to fix those parts and yeah that, those, you know, those are my my thoughts <laughs> i'll say like because because I, I i highly identify with that like concept of like rss feed like just the open nature of podcasts um but i think just kind of from a general like like market perspective i think it was inevitable that it ends up being a shared thing in the same way that like we can't really avoid bitcoin having custodians you know or uh third parties or banks or whatever like if this thing is actually to be the value that it's going to be um is that we're going to see centralized services and there are going to be people who don't hold their own keys like that sort of stuff um and in that same way as like while there are open blogs and all of that stuff there are pay for blogs there is content behind paywalls and subscriptions um and i don't think i don't think it's an indication that we're going to lose the openness of podcasts like i still personally would never do that so i don't know i, I don't think know. It, it's i think it's just what becomes the norm you know like bitcoin True. will always be an open system it will mm -hmm. and also rss feeds will always be an open system and whether you're doing news feeds with it or podcasts it doesn't really matter and uh, it's fine if you have custodians uh, for Bitcoin, and it's fine that you have centralized platforms. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. What I'm not fine with is, um, for example, the current norm that if you're a certain, like if you're a comedian or something, and your content isn't on Facebook, I'm just you know I'm just pulling that out of my ass. But just yeah, yeah. one example, if if you're if you're not on certain closed platforms, you just don't exist anymore. And I yeah. think it's a very dangerous. Um, trajectory and the same is true as for search of course like if you're not found on google then you, your Anymore, website yeah, basically yeah. it doesn't exist and that's I a think, good point because we just ran I, into this with audible right <laughs> yeah like, there you go yeah it, and I, I think you know i personally believe that uh um we can have the best of both worlds and i actually know that firsthand because um my book 21 lessons so 
final shout out of the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's available on Audible. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it for Kindle. And you can also read it for free online. And you can also listen to it for free online. But many, many people choose to pay for it. I'm not sure if it's just to support me or support the cause or out of convenience. I would guess that most people just do it out of convenience because they just don't know that the book is available online. And they don't know that you can listen to guys' podcasts and just get the same thing pretty much. <laughs> Some people just, you know, they type in Bitcoin book on Amazon and they, they, they buy the first three that pop up. And and that's that's the reality we currently live in. And I just want to point out that we kind of need the open systems very much so because otherwise the internet wouldn't be what it is and we wouldn't even have podcasts and uh, all the all the beautiful things come from open systems basically. And um, we should not forget that and be very cautious if we move to closed systems. Yeah. All right. On that note, dudes, best freaking guest in the space. Everybody pound that like button, bang that bell. You get uh, This Week in Bitcoin show every Friday. We'll be back next Friday, and you get a new show here every day. I've got that conviction, baby. All right, I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, this Rob Meister. Thank you very much, guest. Uh, Shabbat Shalom. And tomorrow night, we'll be back on the air with the Beyond Bitcoin show. And so thanks, everyone. Have a great Friday. See you tomorrow.